You are listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Good morning, Mission Redlands. We are so glad that you are yet again joining us for another Sunday of worship as we get together uh, as the body of believers to worship God, to experience God, and to grow into the fullness of Christ as we uh, learn more from his word, as we sharpen each other, um, as we sing in song. Um, We just want his transforming presence to continue to develop our walk, our discipleship. And speaking of discipleship, we're kind of in a discipleship series. Not kind of, we are in a discipleship series right now. Um, The the name of the series is First Love, and we've been uh, diving into uh, the question that, that Pastor Jason brought at the beginning of the series, which is, have we forgotten our first love? And it's really a question from Jesus that we see in Revelation. And so the question is, have we forgotten our first love of Jesus and of our neighbor? And so, you know, are we truly walking as disciples should be? Are we daily picking up our cross daily uh, to die to self in order to live a new life uh, in the likeness of Christ? That's, that's what we're, we're trying to do as, as, as believers in this weird and uh, imperfect pro- process of becoming like him. That's what discipleship is. But by his grace, it is possible and we will become like Jesus We will get there (laughs) when we have our resurrection bodies, when we are in the new heaven and earth, we will are, we will be completed, um, to be just like Jesus because of what he did for us. Now today in this series, what we're doing is we're asking ourselves how to be disciples, right? How to keep our first love, let's put it that way. How do we keep our first love in the marketplace? I guess that would be the title of the sermon, keeping your first love in the marketplace. I would say, furthermore, that the subtitle of the message, of the sermon, the subtitle would be, don't compartmentalize your faith. And we all do this. I am incredibly challenged by this, uh, this, this concept of not compartmentalizing our faith, because we all do it to one degree or another. And so we want to be disciples at every waking moment. We want to be disciples in everything we do. We want to live the abundant life in everything we do. So keeping your first love in the marketplace is the title, if you will, of today's sermon. And so let's think about what I do, which is my craft, and where I do it, which is the marketplace. And what am I talking about? All of us do something in our weekdays. Or seven days a week, right? There's different scenarios. I can't try to squeeze everyone into the same mold, right? For example, my nine to five or (laughs) ish is I am a professor of mathematics at California Baptist University. Um, Tim's nine to five is he works with the company Esri. Um, We have in our church everything from police officers to librarians to you name it. And so we all have a craft and we all have a marketplace in which we participate 
with our craft and we end up engaging with other people, whether they are part of the same craft, the same uh, thing that they're doing or, or not. We could be serving other people that are not part of our craft or we could be interacting with people that are part of our craft. And I want to be super inclusive here about what I mean by your craft and your marketplace. You could be a stay-home a stay home mom or dad, right? And that's your craft, right? That's your full-time craft is that of parenting in that case. Whatever the situation is, we all have a craft, something that we, uh, we, uh, that we do in our nine to five, so to speak, or in our seven days a week. And... It takes place in a marketplace. So let me tell you about, just for a moment, so that we can bring this to the eventual tagline, which is keep your first love in the marketplace, don't compartmentalize your faith. Let me tell you about what I do. As I said, I'm a mathematics professor at a Christian university. Now, here's the thing that CBU, California Baptist University, and other Christian universities are big on. It's the concept of faith integration. It'd be cool if we can get that text there, but never mind. <laughs> I'm imagining it in my head. <laughs> faith integration. Faith integration. So faith integration at CBU is the practice of analyzing, implementing, practicing your discipline and understanding your discipline through faith and through the eyes of faith. Because we have this tendency, for example, if you're a scientist, society, secular society tends to see science as separate from faith. But something that my colleagues in the natural sciences department do is try to dis diminish this notion and in fact replace it with a faith integration approach to the discipline, be it biology, be it chemistry, be it whatever. And so faith integration as practiced at CBU and other Christian universities is the idea that we should reintegrate that which we disintegrated. And so we incorporate into everything that we do our faith, into our disciplines. And so this can be especially challenging because, for example, I'm a mathematician, which means I have to think really deeply about my discipline, my craft, right? I have to think really deeply about my craft and how my faith interacts with it at an intellectual level, at a practical level in society. How do I live out my faith through my discipline? How do I view my discipline uh, with the eyes of faith. This can be especially challenging. And, and let me tell you, I've been working at CBU uh, about 10 years now, and I've grown in the process of this. I'm challenged by this, and I think it's something that not only professors at Christian universities or Christian schools should practice, we should all practice it. It's been life-changing and transformative for me. And the reason I think we should all practice it, it's because... Get this, it's biblical. <laughs> it is biblical. We have a tendency, though, to compartmentalize our faith. What we want to do is not compartmentalize our discipleship. We, it shouldn't, our discipleship process shouldn't be constrained to certain areas or to Sundays or to when I'm listening to worship music or when, but then not these other instances. It shouldn't. 
We must be disciples in the marketplace. Whether you're a student, whether you're at work, whether you're, uh, again, a full-time parent, whether you are, you name it. Whatever it is, whatever, wherever your marketplace is, whatever your craft is, we need to be disciples constantly and not compartmentalize our faith. Have we forgotten our true love? Is it our true, have we forgotten our first love? Is it our first love if we compartmentalize? And so part of keeping our first love, our first love is not to compartmentalize our walk while we may not think our marketplace, like say in my case, my marketplace, the university and the craft math, while we may not think of our marketplace and our craft as having much to do with our faith, here's the thing, how you practice your craft and the intentionality behind your craft, whether it's your studies or your job, etc., are essential disciple marks. How we practice our craft and the intentionality behind the craft, that's, th those are essential marks of a disciple. And here's how it comes to life for me. When I look at Je Jesus, I think, in this context anyway, I think of how Jesus fished fishermen. Now here are these fishermen who eventually become his disciples, their craft being that of fish in the marketplace, that of, again, selling fish, interacting with people, getting on a boat, all the, the comings and goings of being a fisherman. That's your marketplace. See, Jesus didn't see like, this is where faith stops. No, this is where I engage with people, build relationships in the marketplace, and I'm going to even utilize the parables and analogies that come out of the craft. Now, again, the idea is that we would think of how Jesus fished fishermen in the fishing marketplace. <laughs> That's what we want to do so that we don't compartmentalize our faith. Now I'm gonna do something here, which is, I like movies, and Christopher Nolan, when he does his movies sometimes, not always, he'll start a movie with a scene that's actually halfway in the story. He'll give you an incomplete snapshot, and then go back, and then show you how we arrived at that moment. So we're gonna do that. I wanna show you an incomplete picture, and then, will complete the picture and see how to actually learn from this to not compartmentalize our faith, but rather to integrate our faith in everything. Matthew 4, verses 18 through 20, I'm reading today the NIV. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother, Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. We tend to think sometimes, if we're not careful, some people might walk away with the impression that this is the first time these, these fishermen saw Jesus. <laughs> it's like, hey, yo, follow me. All right. I'm dropping everything. I'm leaving everything behind. I'm following the stranger. But if we actually look at what scholars have done in ordering all the gospel events, 
we realize that here, Andrew and Peter, or Simon before he's actually formally called Peter, actually knew Jesus quite well. Quite well. Now, again, as, uh, let's, let's think about what happened here. Jesus says, come follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. He's using this parable of fishing, the marketplace and the craft of, of the fishermen to disciple. At once they left their nets and followed him. Again, you might think at first glance that they just simply left everything, but there's something deeper going on here. Let's take now, let's go back and look at a few scenes that best show us how Jesus interacted with fishermen in the marketplace. Let's complete the picture. Let's really see how Peter, Andrew knew Jesus. The first scene that scholars think, the first instance that we see of their interaction is in John chapter 1, verses 32 through 40, 35, excuse me, through 42. It says, the next day, John, and this is John the Baptist, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus turning around. Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, si Andrew Simon Peter's brother, so Andrew is Simon's or Peter's brother, right? Uh, you know, his name uh, at first is Simon, then he's known as Peter. So Andrew was one of the two who heard that John had said, uh, and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon. So this is Peter's first interaction with the person of Jesus. So he finds his brother Simon and tells him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. That means he, Andrew brought his brother Simon or Peter to Jesus. Jesus looked at him, that is to Simon, and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas or Kephas, depending on your preferred pronunciation, which when translated is Peter. Okay, so that's the first interaction Peter, the fisherman, has with Jesus. Now let's fast forward. Let's see what else happens. Luke chapter 4, verse 38 to verse 39 is believed by scholars to be, uh, and rightly so, after this event. Right Now Peter knows who Jesus is. Listen to verses 38 through 39 in Luke. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Which Simon? Peter. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over and rebuked the fever and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. Woo, miraculous. Fast forward, let's see the full fishing scene now. In the next chapter, so this is after Jesus has healed uh, Simon Peter's mother-in-law. This is after this. Luke 5, verses 1 through 11. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, 
He knows the dude, okay? <laughs> he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little, to put out a little from the shore. Again, hey, Simon, they know each other. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Watch this. Watch Simon compartmentalize his faith in the midst of his craft in the marketplace. Watch him compartmentalize. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, yeah, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They're screaming, come hurry. <laughs> and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. <laughs> Woo, miraculous. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus's knees and said, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. I love Peter's uh, humility. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed him. Here's a couple of questions for us. Instead of points, I want us to think about the full picture and ask ourselves some questions about whether or not we compartmentalize our faith. We want to keep our first love in our craft and in the marketplace that the craft is practiced. Question number one for us disciples as we embrace the discipleship process do we see how every craft of the marketplace serves as a powerful parable or analogy of faith? Let's say that again. Do we see how every craft of the marketplace serves as a powerful parable or analogy of faith? Jesus used fishing to draw an analogy of discipleship. He told them, you, 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 want, you like how much fish you just caught? Let's go catch some people. Let's catch some people. A craft and a marketplace as simple and as humble as that, he turns into a powerful parable and analogy of the kingdom. Let me ask you, again, do you see your craft, whatever it is that you do in your day-to-day, -day, and your marketplace, the setting where it takes place, do you see it as a powerful parable or analogy of the kingdom, or do you compartmentalize it? You could be a plumber, and there's so much beauty in the job of a plumber, of bringing water of bringing life, of fixing, if you're repairing, restoring that which is no longer in its original, or, or restoring that which is incomplete or damaged. Jesus used all sorts of day-to-day -day crafts or settings or situations. Jesus talked about farmers and farming, marketplace and craft. He talked about weddings for crying out loud. Every 
craft, whatever it is, whatever your craft is and wherever your marketplace is, it is a powerful analogy to show, embody the kingdom of God. So that's question number one. Do we see how every craft of the marketplace serves? Do I see how my craft in my marketplace serves as a parable or analogy of faith? That's question number one, to challenge ourselves to grow in this uh, perspective. Question number two, do I use a snapshot of Jesus's discipleship process or do we embrace how Jesus builds relationships with people to disciple them? That's a mouthful. Let me say that again. (laughs) Do I use a a snapshot, just a moment of Jesus saying, follow me, right? Do I use a snapshot of Jesus's discipleship model or do we embrace the process with which he disciples? He got to know Peter. He went to his mother-in-law's to heal her. Or rather, it was um, to, to Peter's house. He went there to heal, to Peter's home, to heal his mother-in-law. Jesus spent time with Peter before the official call. Do you notice that? Before he said, follow me, I will make you fisher of men. He knew Peter, gave him a name, right? Called him Kephas, which translates to Peter, went and healed, showed him the power of the kingdom of God. And then one day when Peter was compartmentalizing his faith, Jesus called him, used the analogy of his craft, of the marketplace in which Peter does his day to day. See, Jesus spent time with Peter before the official call. You know, sometimes we have this snapshot mentality of how Jesus disciples were. We just look at one instance. And because of that, here's the problem with many Christians today, including myself. Sometimes we only preach the gospel and forget to embody the gospel. Woo! Sometimes we preach the gospel and forget to embody the kingdom of God. Question number three. Do we compartmentalize our faith or do we integrate to every aspect of our life? Do we compartmentalize our faith or do we integrate our faith into every aspect of our life? Can you believe that after Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law, Peter still didn't believe? He's like, yo, I've been trying to cash fit fish all day, but okay, if you say it, you know, I'll do it. He compartmentalized. (laughs) He compartmentalized, forgot the power. He, maybe Peter didn't care that much because maybe Peter didn't want his mother-in-law healed. (laughs) Maybe maybe that was it. It's like, oh man, Jesus healed my mother-in-law. I thought she was on the way out. (laughs) I kid, I kid. But that's the thing is he, how quickly we forget because, and then we end up compartmentalizing. It's like, oh, do you forget I healed your mother-in-law? Yeah, you're going to catch fish. You're going to sink your boat when you catch fish. (laughs) So do we compartmentalize our faith or do we integrate every aspect of our faith into all of our life? A few more questions that are just not discussion questions, just think about them. As you work every day or whatever it is your craft is, does your work attitude glorify God? 
Do you find moments to continually pray in every minute detail? Not from a legalistic standpoint, but from receiving grace and experiencing God perspective. Do I seek to glorify myself or do I count others as better than me in my marketplace? Do I bless others with my love and joy at my marketplace? Do I conduct myself as a follower of Jesus in conversations with peers? See, these are all different instances in which we either integrate our faith into our every life or we compartmentalize it and shut doors on different aspects. Our discipleship in the marketplace is a call to move from Peter's perspective to Jesus' model of discipleship. Jesus saw the power of the analogy of fishing to communicate kingdom principles. Jesus used the marketplace of the fishermen to get to know and build relationships with them. May we embrace faith integrated into every aspect of our lives so that we don't forget our first love in certain areas, but we would remember our first love in everything we do. May we integrate our faith into everything, not compartmentalize our faith. Let's pray. Father, remind us. We're so forgetful. We're so like Peter. We, we are so faithful and so trusting in you in certain areas. And then we walk into another area and we shut the door and forget and say, wait, really, you want, I should expect this to happen? I pray that you would remind us that you would transform our mentality so that we would see and remember our first love in everything we do in the marketplace, in our craft. May we build relationships with people. May we not compartmentalize our faith. May we see the power of the parable, the symbolism of the craft we do to communicate kingdom principles. Discipleship is in everything and it's done through relationships. Remind us of this and help us to embody this. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You are listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.